Production. Recorded live. Adapter for these headphones, I can't find them. They're usually on the headphones. Hey, Jay, this is Todd. Hey, Todd, how's it going, man? I'm good, man. How are you? Doing great. I'm trying to find the, trying to find my adapter for my headphones. I got the iPhone that I have to have the adapter, so bear with me just a moment. All right. Uh, how's, how's the weather over there in Texas? You're in Dallas, right? I am, yeah. No, it's beautiful here. It's, uh, it's the south part of Texas. It's having a rough time. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got some friends in Houston that are underwater right now. Yeah. yeah oh. I've got friends down there, family down there. i got uh, a church that I work with is down there. And uh, everybody is safe, but uh, they're just trying to figure out how to help the areas that are uh, uh, really, really struggling. Uh-huh. Yeah, I... And there's, uh, I'm over here in, in Central Florida in the Tampa area, so we've we deal with hurricanes uh, on a regular basis, but um, yeah. we usually don't have the kind of flooding that they've had over in in Houston. We usually have a lot of the damage that we have over here in Florida is usually wind damage, uh, yeah. but they've got more flooding damage over there on the Texas coast. Yeah, y'all are probably better prepared for it. You, you expect it more. You probably have better drainage and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, Houston, Houston's been hit by this two or three times in the last probably ten or fifteen years. So, yeah, it's never. And no matter how much you prepare for it, you're never really prepared because yeah. uh, you just never know what what the storm's going to do. Sometimes they. We've had storms that the weather casters over here are like, oh, brace yourself, it's the apocalypse and all this stuff. And then when the storm actually gets here, it dumps a bunch of rain on us for a day, and that's about it. But none of the other times, like, uh, we haven't had a big storm really come through here since 2004. And that's when, uh, you know, Hurricane Charlie and Katrina came later that year, mm-hmm. skimmed the Florida coast before it hit New Orleans. So, thankfully, we haven't had anything... Uh, Really hit us. All right, I can't find my adapter, so I'm just going to have to do this a little bit differently. All, All right. right, so what – I forgot to ask you um, when I sent the email. Had, did you ever get a chance to meet Rich or – Yeah, yeah, I did. Okay, so you, you, you have met Rich. Okay, so that's one of my questions when I'm 
when we'll do the interview, I'm going to ask you uh, what your first impression of him was, and if you can recollect the um, the meeting between you. And then uh, the next question, really, we got two questions because it's a two-hour show, and I've got uh, you, I've got Kevin Max, uh, Mark and Mac from Third Day, and I've got Mitch McVicker. Um, all oh, those interviews cool. are done, so you're the you're the last one to join us. So. Uh, I'm really excited about this. I did not get a chance to meet Rich myself, um, but mm-hmm. I did see the just doing these interviews with these um, these artists who actually work with him and knew him personally. Um, it just makes makes me realize just how much of an impact he had, uh, not only in Christian music but on you know music fans and stuff. So yeah, this is uh, the least I could do to you know, honor his memory and the legacy that he left uh, within the Christian music community. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I'm glad you got to talk to the third day, guys. That's for the fun, because Rich played uh, Dulcimer on, like, their first record, maybe. First or second record. Yeah. Uh, man, that was a long time ago. I totally forgot. Yeah. He played Hammer Dulcimer on a, on a, yeah. one or two of the songs from their self-titled debut. Yeah, yeah Mark was telling me about that. He's, he's like... Um, uh, you know, back then, uh, this I think it was like 95, he said that they were, he said getting a hold of people in general was tough, especially if they're out on the road. And Rich was the type of person, obviously they didn't have cell phones. Right. He said that Rich was even more, he was even more like uh, remote because you never knew where he was going to be at. Sometimes he was just out in the middle of nowhere. But Mark was telling me, he says, you know, we'd love to do this song with Rich and the A&R guy over at uh over at Providence, like, well, I can't guarantee anything because we have no idea where he's at and when he'll get to a phone to call in. And he said the same day that they had that conversation with the A&R guy at Providence, they're like, Rich just walked in the lobby of Providence and he's going to, he's going to do it for you guys. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's just, it's cool. It was cool hearing those stories and, you know, when I was talking to Mitch, I don't know if you've ever got a chance to talk to Mitch, but Mitch was in the car with right. Rich that day, and um, I had asked him, I said, do you, do you remember anything from that day? Because I, I remember reading, and obviously you can't believe everything you, you read on the internet, so I asked him, I'm like, do you remember anything from that day? And he was telling me that the six weeks before and the six weeks after were real foggy. He says he remembers certain things, but he said he remembered an instance, he said this was probably about an hour before the wreck. He said that Rich and him had stopped, I guess it was the middle of the night, they'd stopped to get some coffee. And the guy in the gas station said that he recognized Rich, and he said, oh, you're Rich Mullins. You just spilled coffee all over my floor. <laughs> <laughs> so he said that's the last memory that, that he had, um, but does not remember the accident, doesn't remember right after, but it's uh, it, was, it was cool to be able to to talk with him because he was able to tell me what those last months were like before the accident happened. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. So I'm excited to be able to put this together. I want to make sure we include everybody that, you know, was, was impacted in some way or another. So, all right, well, we'll go ahead and get started. Um, like I said, just a couple questions and then I might have a couple follow-up after that, but if you're ready, we'll go ahead and get started. Yeah, go ahead, man. Joining me on this 
special edition of Kingdom Builder is an artist that has long been one of my favorites, and uh, I can truly say that he is probably one of the most bold songwriters that you'll come across. I am joined today by Mr. Todd Agnew. Todd, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for letting me be a part. Well, we appreciate you joining us today. And, you know, it's hard to believe, but Rich Mullins has been gone for 20 years now. Does it seem like it's been that long? Well, you know, it does and it doesn't. Like, I mean, I remember, you know, Rich and his career like it just happened. At the same time, you know, I look back across what's happened since then and trying to remember those moments. And you're like, oh, man, I was a kid and I'm not anymore. <laughs> Uh, so it's it's been a while. Well, you know, one of the things that I have uh, gathered from talking to everyone for this tribute show is uh, when they've met Rich for the first time, just how genuine and down to earth he was in person. Can you take us back to the first time that uh, you had met Rich? What was what was your impression of him upon meeting him? Well, I have a really unique first impression of Rich um, because in uh, in the town I grew up in, there was a uh, you know a small Christian venue that you know would bring in bands on the weekend and would kind of have video games and stuff like that. So for a young young kid um, growing up in church and the youth group, um, it was one of the few places that I could say, "Hey, mom, dad." Could you just drop me off at Footloose and uh, let me hang out there for the night? And they would. And uh, and so I would go out there and see all kinds of people um, bashing the code. And um, you know, I saw all these different concerts of bands that were just coming through town. And uh, one night I was up there just because it was somewhere I could go. I think I was, you know, playing, I don't know, Defender or something back there in the corner. And... Uh, the guy that ran Footloose came through and said, hey, is there, are there any of you guys that would be willing to be a part of one of the songs for the concert tonight? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I will. I'm a little, you know, 14, 15-year-old kid. And um, so they took us back to the back and taught us, you know, the cup game, the cup routine thing. And, uh, and so we were the percussion section for the song in, in the um, – in uh, the concert that night, I just remember the guy was really nice and uh, that, uh, you know, really, uh, he, but he was just a normal guy and he was actually teaching us this stuff and then it turned out he was the singer and, and man, I totally forgot that. And then, you know, 10, 15 years later, I looked back and went, oh my word, that, that was rich and, and it's about as useless as a screen door on a submarine but it was before Rich, you know, became Rich Mullins, and uh, and so man, it's still it's still just uh, one of my favorite memories. Well, that's very cool, and I don't think that anybody else could offer uh, an impression like that. It's actually pretty impressive that you uh, met Rich before uh, he, you know, became the musician that he's known for. Yeah, man, and it, you know it's. It's one of those things that I'm really grateful that I got to to see him, you know, then and then, uh, you know, got to follow his career and be influenced by that and uh, and then got to see him, you know, and encounter him later as well. And uh, I'm still really appreciative of that. 
Well, speaking of influences, Todd, you, um, you know, you mentioned that you uh, had seen him later on. Is is from a musician standpoint, what kind of impact did Rich have on you and your music ministry? Can you uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, maybe the impact that that Rich's music or just him as a person had on you as an artist? Yeah, I mean, you know, Rich uh, was, you know, far and away, you know, my favorite artist and uh, and I you know so I was hugely influenced by him and when I look back at the formative you know moments for me you know you look at Rich and Michael Card and Michael W Smith and Charlie Peacock and you know that that's really the formative moments for me and um and I and I would love to say that I was that I was so influenced by his poetry and you know his lyrics and just how um, how amazing of an artist he was, because I was influenced by that, but I just <laughs> I just don't have the talent to replicate any of that. Um, you know, I, I I write the best I can, but I'm never gonna compare to to the stuff Rich wrote. Um, but the other thing that you know Rich always meant to me was he he just seemed to address things really honestly. Um, and that he would, you know, he would write songs that he, he didn't have all the answers to. Um, you know, I still remember, you know, one of my favorite Rich songs was uh, Jacob and Two Women. Um, and I just those lines, Jacob, he loved Rachel, and Rachel, she loved him, and Leah was just there for added effect. It's right there in the Bible, so it must not sin. Not, must not be a sin, but it sure does seem like an awful dirty trick. And you're like, man, that's somebody that has read this, has wrestled with this passage about Jacob and Rachel and Leah, and is coming, you know, and in a CCM song is saying, hey, I, I really don't get this. This doesn't quite make sense to me. Um, and and man, that was a that was a really beautiful thing for me, and uh, and I, I've tried to uh, I've tried to stay in that place myself as a uh, just as a believer and as a person, uh, but especially as a writer. Right. Well, September nineteenth, nineteen ninety seven, Rich is tragically killed in a car accident. Do you remember where you were that day, Todd? Do you remember uh, you know what your response was when you had gotten the news? I do, man. I uh, I was in Fort Smith, Arkansas. I was doing a uh, weekend um, leading worship for a youth group there, and uh, and so I'd been leading worship all weekend, and another guy had been preaching all weekend, and the guy that had been preaching all weekend had just finished um, a set of events. Um, had just finished a set of events with the guys from for him. And so when when the news came down, they called him to tell him what was going on and he knew that would be important to me, so he called me and uh and you know said, "Hey Todd, do you know about this yet?" I said, "Of course not." Um and uh and yeah, I was just wrecked and my dad called a little while later because he had just heard the news and he knew how hard that would be for me. Um, and then I had to get up and lead worship at church. And uh, and I, I didn't quite know what to do, but uh, 
Um, but, you know, I just kind of took that moment and said, hey, well, I'm definitely going to use some of Rich's music. Um, but I also, you know, just want to take this moment and and, uh, and be amazed at who God is um, because I, I think that was one of the things I always loved about uh, Rich's music is he, he looked so deeply into the beauty of God and God's creation um, and was amazed by what he saw. Amen. Well, you know, a lot of people will, uh, and, you know, I've asked the same question, you know, what do you think people would be doing today if they were still here? Like, you know, you've got the classic rock artists of the 70s like Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, all those. Kind of, some people ask sometimes, you know, if those people were still around, what would they be doing? And, you know, as a, as, as a fan of Rich Mullins, if he were still here today, what, what do you think he'd be doing? You think he'd still be doing music? You think he'd be on a reservation somewhere? What do you think? You know, it's hard to say. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't really know Rich. And, you know, I, I got the honor of um, meeting him a couple of times and I obviously knew his music really well. Um, but, but I didn't know him as a person. Um, and you know, the conversations I've had with his friends and the books I've read and everything, you know, I think art was something he, he did. It was a part of him. So I, I can't see him walking away from it, um, as an artist. I can see him walking away from it as a career. Um, but you know, I, I can't imagine that he would ever stop writing songs. Um, but I also know that he was always trying to find more than that and trying to accomplish more than that. Um, and I think he would have continued to get better at that. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so I don't know what, what it would have been like and what he would have been doing. Um, I know that, uh, you know, I, I wrote a song a few years ago It was really just for me. I don't think I ever even played it for anybody, but it was just about, um, kind of asking God, hey, why, why did you, why did you take him? Um, because I, I could really use him here now, <laughs> um, somebody to ask the questions that has walked these paths before. Um, and I, obviously, I, I, I trust God and uh, know that He knew what He was doing. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I guess I'm kind of in the same boat as you. As I, I would love to know what what his life would look like now. Amen, as would uh, many other music fans as well. Well, Todd, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate you sharing uh, your thoughts about Rich, and uh, we pray for your music ministry. You've uh, actually released uh, your most recent record, um, and uh, excited to see some new music from you, and excited about the new music that uh, would be coming out from you in the future here. Thanks, man. Thanks so much, and thanks for letting me be a part of this. Awesome, and that's where we'll end the interview part. Very short and painless. All right, so September 23rd um, is the date that this will air on uh, Kingdom Builder. And okay. Um, I don't know if you... And one of the questions I was going to ask you is, I, I figure that your Twitter handle is somehow connected to Rich because I noticed the Agnes Die. I don't know if that was a nod to Michael W. Smith because of the song Agnes Die or if it was 
if it was rich or not, but I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's kind of all that. It's, uh, you know, um, the the Smitty tune, but, you know, probably deeper than that, it's going back into the into the mass and, uh, and you know, those those kind of things as well, and then the the Latin, and so it just kind of was a, a thing that worked all together. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was uh, I'm actually really happy to see all the you know the response you've gotten from the new record because that's you know when I when I first heard that you were releasing new music that was that was my response I'm like wow because you're you know I told you a couple times I've talked to you that the reflection of something record is as a record I really give credit to because I was you know I got saved in 2003 when that record came out a couple years later um you know I was on I was on fire for God at first but you know a couple of years into my faith uh there were a lot of things that I really questioned and you know after sitting down and listening to that record that's and that's why that's why I think that record still has an impact on me you know even 12 years later that you know you and that's why I mentioned bold songwriting because, and, and I don't really know how else to describe it when people ask me, like, you know, what do you, why do you like Todd's music so much? I say, well, he's not afraid to step on toes, which I, which I like. He's very bold in his songwriting, doesn't, and I don't know if I ever told you this, but you had a CD release party in Tampa, Florida, uh, probably, either right before the record came out or right after. You had played a small mm-hmm. church. And you had made a comment from stage that I still remember to this very day. You you said something along the lines of, you know, I'm I'm not here to sell you records. And in, in fact, I, you know, I don't I don't really care if you like my music or not. The only reason I'm here is to lift up and honor the name of Jesus. And I thought that that was awesome. I'm like, wow, that's you know, that's that's true. That's true Christian music right there. You know, having... Obviously, you want to sell records, but, you know, I thought it was very cool that you had humbled yourself and said that, you know, Jesus is more important than this music. Yeah, man, that was a big wrestling match for me after having a hit record, you know, that, you know, trying to trying to keep your feet on the ground and trying to find what God was really doing... <laughs> Is, is that, yeah. that's kind of the lesson I learned, man, is that I, like, I had to tell my manager, I'm like, hey, I, I don't want to know where my song is on the chart anymore. <laughs> like, that's, that's not, that's not good for my heart. Like, that's not good for me becoming the person that God wants me to be. And, um, right. And then doing that, you know, doing a CD release thing, which is, you know, for the fans, it's about, hey, it's a cool new record. But for the labels, you know, so all the business side of it is, hey, we want you to sell a whole lot of records this first week because that's going to convince the stores to carry how many records. And uh, and so it's all about sales. And I right. just, you know, in those conversations, I realized, hey, look, we're going to go and play these songs, but we can't go and play them for that reason. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, if it works, great but it's going to work that way because we trust God and that's what he decided to do. And if it doesn't work that way, then it's going to work that way because we trusted God and that's what he decided to do. And, uh, and when you're single and you don't have a lot of bills, you, 
you cannot care about your record sales as much. It's a lot easier. You know, now having a wife and two kids and a mortgage. A little bit different right now. No, yeah. (laughs) It's like, I kind of wish we'd have some record sales. Um, But, you know, when I feel that, it's, it's a, you know, it's a reminder from those days of going, hey, Seth, as much as I wish that would happen, that still can't be why we do this. Um, yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah. And you know, it's, you know, you look at Christian music sales now and, you know, since everything's gone digital, it's, it's almost a whole different ball game. Cause I know that, oh, yeah. I know that back in 2005, you know, there was, you know, so we, we'd still get hard copy pre-releases of these records and now it's like everything's digital. And, you know, right. one thing that, one thing that I've, the one thing that I've noticed, and you know, I've I did Christian music review for eleven years. I did it from two thousand four to two thousand fifteen, uh, before we rebranded and launched relaunched as today's Christian in January two thousand sixteen. But one of the things that I've noticed since we relaunched is uh publicists and stuff are so focused on numbers. Like we can't even score interviews with people because our numbers aren't where they think they should be. I'm like, you know what? I'm not I'm not getting paid for what I do with King and Builder. I'm not getting paid for doing these interviews. I have I don't have big money sponsors. I said I do this as a ministry. And unfortunately a lot of people a lot of people have kind of lost sight of that. And um it's it's sad, you know, when we when we have our hearts in the place where we want to uh you know, get stuff out there and we have, you know, twenty thousand listeners and they want you to have a hundred thousand, I'm like you know, if if one person comes to the saving knowledge of Christ through what we're doing, that's that's what I'm doing this for. Right. Um and I'm like and I'm like you, you know, you told your management I don't wanna I don't wanna know where the songs are charting. I've I've told my team that I work with, I said, because people have asked me, like, what are our numbers? I'm like, I really don't even care. I don't look at our numbers. I have no idea how many people visit our site and I probably should know that, but you know, I've got I've got my focus focus elsewhere and you know god's blessed us you know with what we're doing so at the end of the day you know numbers really don't make a difference yeah but yeah but um so you're i've noticed are you okay so you've got you did the record and added you know the um the new single and stuff but are you are you still planning to release more music next year? I think that's what you said last yeah. time I talked to you. Yeah, that's still the plan. Um, we're kind of trying to figure out the business side of it right now. Um, just because there's been so much upheaval at my label. And uh, and this record... It's like that with every label. <laughs> we, we, did a, like, we did a really good job with making the record, but everything else just kind of fell apart as far as release goes. So we're just, you know, really trying to say, hey, what, what's what's supposed to be next? Um, and I did an interview yesterday, and they were asking about, you know, how, you know, how my songwriting was changing and with going to seminary, if I was going to, you know, teaching more on worship, if I was going to be writing more about that. And I was like, you know, I don't know. I was like, my writing has slowed down because I have so many other things going on. 
but stylistically, you know, I think if I got shoes that I would definitely I don't, write I don't stuff see that for the church. Too much. I don't see that changing too much because your yeah, your writing style is your writing style is 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 unique, and I think it's something that we need to hear. And that's and and you and you mentioned in the interview, you're like, you know, I'm I'm nowhere near as good of a songwriter as Rich Mullins. If I had to compare anybody, Todd, to from a theological standpoint in their music of the things that they touch on in their lyrics, I would have to say you probably are the closest to that. And I can tell, I can tell by listening to Rich's music and looking at the lyrics of his music that that really wore off on you because I see that in your music. So if there's anybody that's active today in music and songwriting that could compare lyrically to what Rich was doing, I, I would say that person's you. No, so I would thanks. encourage, I would encourage you, brother, to keep keep doing that because we don't need we don't need cookie cutter music. We need we need music in lyrics that are going to penetrate hearts mm-hmm. and remind people of what, of what truly matters. And I'm not to say that the worship music out there today is, is bad, but I really enjoy listening to something that's, that's going to kind of prick my heart a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, you need to, you need to get this together kind of thing. So yeah, I appreciate you a lot. Man, so. Yeah, thanks. I really appreciate that. I mean, and I think you're right. I mean, as far as, you know, the theology of the things that Rich dug into, um, you know, it did. It affected me a lot. I'm just not the poet that he was. Um, but I I inherited his honesty, and, like, Andrew Peterson inherited his poetry. And, uh, and but, you know, that's what I told the girl yesterday. I was like, hey, look, you know, I'd I'd really love to write deep theological songs for the church. Um, but, you know, I think I'll do that to some extent. But I was like, mainly I, what I've always been good at is writing honest songs at the intersection of where my story meets God's story. Mm-hmm. Um, and when those things crash together, um, I I can write songs about that. and um, and I was like, I don't, I don't know that I know another way to write. So, so yeah, you got to stick, you gotta stick with what I works. Did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's worked for you. It's worked for you this far. I mean, that's a lot of people that I, you know, have go listen to Reflection. They're like, you know, this album sounds like ten different genres of music. I said, that's what I really liked about it. I said, not only lyrically is it, you know, you know, very good, but I said musically, I said, there's something for everybody on that record. You've got some rock sounding trash, you get some bluesy, grunge. I mean, you got a little bit of everything on that record. And I think that's another reason why I was so drawn to it. Because not only do the lyrics, you know, you know, inspire and encourage me, but the music, it was like a, it was like a, a music kaleidoscope. You had a little bit of everything on that record. Yeah, we did. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to what you have next, man. And if, um, we're going to be tweeting out about this, and we're going to be doing it from TCE. So I don't know if if you can give us a follow on there. We're going to be uh, pushing that uh, starting next Monday. Okay. So we're going to be tagging everybody um, who's part of this uh, show. Um, we've got Third Days following us now, Mark Lee, uh, Kevin Max, all them. So give us a follow on there so you see our, our post. And um, if you ever – dude, if you ever need anything – if you ever need anything from me or you need any prayer or anything, I've, I think I sent you my cell number. Just 
shoot me a text or whatnot. Uh, I'd love to keep up with what you're doing and love to encourage you in the way that you've encouraged me over the years, man. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it, Jay. All right, Ty. Well, take care, brother. I'll let you go. All right. uh, Thanks a lot, man. You're welcome. Thanks. All right. Take care, brother. All right. You too. Bye. Bye.